Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. High Heels in Politics discussion will focus on who determines Ohio's public education, which includes public school districts, joint vocational, and charter schools. The Ohio Department of Education is the administrative branch of the Ohio government responsible for education in the primary and secondary fields. And the Board of Education is the governing body and oversees the Department of Education. The Board of Education is made up of 19 members, 11 who are elected for designated districts and eight who are appointed by the governor. Serving on the board as non-voting members are the Education Committee Chairs of the House of Representatives and Senate. The Superintendent of Public Instructions serves as the Secretary of the Board. Our guest is Dr. Jenny Kilgore, who is a member of the Board of Education representing District 4 since her election in 2018. Dr. Kilgore is a lifelong Cincinnatian who graduated from Deer Park High School, earned a bachelor's degree in elementary education, and a master's degree in education from Xavier University, and a Ph.D. in educational leadership from Miami University. Her professional experience includes working in the teaching field. Jenny has been a member of Glendale Village Council and served as vice mayor. Jenny, before we begin talking about your in-depth experience in the educational field, you became involved in politics in 2004 when you were first elected to Glendale Council. Why did you run? Well, Marianne, thank you for asking me on that. I ran just basically because I lived in the community and I believe in personal involvement. There were some issues in our community, and I just thought that I had the skill set to contribute. What is the Board of Education and discuss its responsibilities to children, parents, and taxpayers, and also describe the district you represent? Well, first of all, the Board of Education is made up of 19 members. There are 11 districts in the state of Ohio that send representatives up to the board. Each are responsible to their constituents. The governor appoints eight members to the board from the greater population, and so that's a total of 19 members of the Board of Education. Our responsibility is to develop policies so that to enact the legislation that is put into place by our General Assembly. We work well together. We come with diverse perceptions of the needs of our students and what it would take to best meet those needs. And through deep conversation, we hopefully come out of the other side of that conversation with some good options for our students. The pandemic created major problems when many students fell under the radar when learning went online. How did the board manage the issue to remote education in the rural parts of Ohio when many families lacked access to the internet? What direction has the board taken with this issue? So you're correct that uh, many of our students did not have access to the internet 
And because education was virtual for nearly a year and a half, many students were left behind. My district is District 4, Warren, mostly Warren and Hamilton County. And in our district, there is a variety of school districts. Some are very affluent. And those students had mostly access to internet. Some are rural or high poverty, and those students did not. So that represents a huge inequity of access to learning materials. In the state of Ohio, there's quite a bit of funding, ESSER funds coming down from the federal government, and then include additional state funds that are funneled to the different districts. And as Ohio is a local controlled state, those districts have the power to decide how they spend this money. Most districts understood the access to, to resource question issue. A lot of schools gave out laptops to students who did not have laptops at home but still needed internet access. That's another issue. Some of our schools were well situated at the beginning of the of COVID. So one of the issues was providing good teachers, and you're right, providing internet access. And secondary to that was providing laptops for students who didn't have them at home. And you mentioned earlier about the decision-making is local on issues such as that, not the Ohio School Board. Yes, thank you for that. The Ohio School Board is tasked with developing policies to enact the legislation of the General Assembly. But all we can do is make suggestions, basically. The power is held on the local school district, and parents or community elects their school board, and their school board is the determining representative function locally for the school school district. All right. Well, school funding is also a major concern and how tax dollars should be spent in classroom. What direction is the board reviewing about funding or does it even have any authority in funding? Well, to start, the school board does not have authority in funding. However, the issue is a, a one of prominent discussion and affects everything that goes on in education. Ohio has been funding their school districts through property taxes, individual property taxes. Therefore, affluent communities with high property values, a lot of money is returned to the schools. And conversely, the high poverty areas where property tax or property value is lower has not traditionally received as much money. And that was determined maybe 10, 20 years ago through the Ohio State Supreme Court as unconstitutional. However, we've continued that way because we haven't had a better plan. Recently, Cup Patterson in the General Assembly developed a formula where the money is still collected for property tax and it goes to Columbus. And a percent, in this formula, a percent comes back to the school district that initiated or invested in the property tax. But another percent is held in Columbus and distributed to high poverty school districts to equalize the opportunity for, again, access to learning resources. There also is a real social divide today with local school boards and parents about some educational topics being considered to be taught, such as the critical race theory, gender identity. So what is the board's view on these issues? Well, again, the board's view is local control 
Each school district's community actually has the power to decide what is taught to their children in their school district. There are programs that are posted on the Ohio Department of Education's website, and those are resources that are available to be pulled by individual teachers or school districts. I'm your question about critical race theory. I might understand that question because I teach young adults who aspire to be teachers, and the education programs are invested in a critical race theory. College may be the question to ask those questions, but K-12 through education should be grounded in academic, a strong academic education, and vocational preparedness for careers. So that's really not an appropriate place. There are a number of teaching methods, such as teacher-centered versus student-centered. Who determines the teaching methods and materials that are taught and used in schools? Well, again, that would be the individual school district. I had a stint as supervising school interns, college students, in the classroom. And there are different kinds of schools. There are schools that believe that tracking students, grouping them by ability, is the best way to educate students. And there are schools that believe that inclusiveness, learning and educational and social economic inclusiveness, is the best way. So you'll find a range of abilities in each classroom. So what a teacher needs to do in their training is decide who they are and what they think is the best way to deliver education to their K-12 students and find a school with, with with the same teaching philosophy. There also are charter schools, since you bring that topic up, and joint vocational schools, which are also different ways uh, for children to get an education. Is there any real explanation? Uh, Does the charter school or joint vocational schools take the money away from the public schools? Is it set up now? No. But the backpack bill that's being introduced in the General Assembly will redefine the formula for funding students' individual education in the schools. So with this, the money will go with the child to whatever school that the parent finds as the best resolution for education for their particular, for their own children. That'll be interesting to see how the uh, state legislature, what it passes for legislation on the backpack bill. Now, in the aftermath of the Uvalde school tragedy that just happened, what course of action are being considered and instituted and training in school buildings with teachers and staff. Governor DeWine put into place a policy that permits weapons in school held by competent and well-trained staff members. And it is up to, again, in uh, local control, individual school districts to decide what their community is comfortable with. Being a teacher was a was here a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit, a really respected profession. But suddenly, teachers are public enemy number one. From the board's perspective, when did that shift begin and kind of what prompted it, do you think? I think during COVID, a lot of parents were watching what was taking place over their children's shoulders in their living rooms, and they were watching what kind of education their children received. Many parents were pleased. Many parents were displeased. 
but it gave parents an insight into what was going on inside the classroom. I taught for 15 years. I always taught with my door open and anybody was welcome. I figured if I was caught doing well, that was a plus plus. But now because of safety issues and interrelated issues, the public does not have access to enter at will their public schools. And that's, again, you mentioned earlier the the shooting in Uvalde. Schools feel that they are, and they are, responsible for our students' well-being. So parents don't have ready access to schools. They feel like they need to know their curriculum, and I totally agree, because their children are their personal responsibility. So I think that there are many wonderful teachers out there, and parents just want access to what is being taught to their children And they, rightfully so, should have a say in what's being taught to their children because they live in the community, again, local control. Ohio State Board of Education presently does not have a superintendent. What progress is being made to fill this position? Well, that's an excellent question. Last year, about this time, our our previous superintendent resigned, and we started a search for a new superintendent. Initially, we were going to um, hire a search firm, but we decided because of the response we, we received, 23 absolutely wonderful candidates, that we would pursue that in-house in, at, at the board. So we did have a candidate who was a board member who resigned from the board and applied, who withdrew after a couple weeks. And then we also had a backup candidate, a local gentleman who is absolutely astounding. At the end of his career, a heart for students. He'd been a superintendent in a, a variety of different size school districts. He certainly had a skill set and the toolbox to be very beneficial for Ohio students. But we were too slow and he took another position. So As of June this year, we've got a resolution, I'm sorry, of July. As of July this year, we have a resolution brought by Kirsten Hill for the president of the board to start actively searching and to hire a search company. Um, But then we went into recess in August. We don't meet. So in September, in a couple weeks here, we will be picking that up, and hopefully that resolution will pass, and, and we will actively be pursuing to fill this position that will have been empty for a year. Well, you certainly have uh, your work cut out for you. Now, you and your husband, Tim, are the U.S. Military Academy, which is West Point, are the Congressional District Coordinators. What is your role as coordinators? Well, thank you very much for asking that, Mary. It sounds important, but it's really a volunteer stint. My daughter graduated in 98, my son graduated in 2000, and we realized what an astounding um, experience attending an academy for a young person who is intent on going into the military is. And in 2001, after 9-11, the gentleman who was previously in our position was a reservist and was called up for training. So my husband and I, again, knowing the value of this volunteered to take that position. So we've been doing it since 2001. And basically our responsibility is to get the word out about what an academy experience entails, the benefits, the disciplines, 
and to be a resource for any young person who thinks he or she may be interested in an academy experience, and also a resource to those who know they want to, to apply to an academy and to help them with the process, answer questions, be there as a resource. Okay, so your two children are graduates from West Point. Yes. I just want to <laughs> emphasize that. That's, is a, that's major. Sidebar to that, um, my son is, my daughter married a Marine, so she left after her service because the deployment schedules are different. But my son um, is career, and I've been able to follow him around the, the world. He was with the, he's been in Germany several times. He was connected to the consulate in Mongolia, which I was able to visit. He was co- uh, connected most recently to the consulate in Turkmenistan. And now his next, he starts his next assignment soon in Belgium. Well, Mongolia, I didn't realize that we would have anything there that isn't very populated (laughs) part of the world. Okay, well, Jenny, you're running for re-election for the Ohio Board of Education on November 8th. What makes you the best candidate? Well, again, Marion, I have a skill set. I have a bachelor's and a master's in education and a PhD in educational leadership. I have the experience. I've taught for 15 years in middle school English, and I've taught for 20 years at Miami in their educational leadership department, um, teaching young people who aspire to become teachers. I've got a sideline career in um, many board associations and I feel like there's still work to be done. There's important work to be done. I've got a an important voice on the board, and I represent the students and parents in my district, Hamilton County and Warren County. Um, there's a good mix of different political views, but everybody's very concerned about what's best for their students and their community. And I try to provide that as best I can. And I am always available and accountable to my constituency. What do you hope to accomplish at the board if you're reelected? There are a lot of issues still needing to be addressed. And one of the main ones is the superintendent. The superintendent's responsibility is to answer to the board, but to supervise the Department of Education. And in that void of leadership, there have been a lot of issues that have been held over. So Primarily, we need to, and that is actually legislatively, the primary function of the board is to make sure that there is an an adequate superintendent at the helm of the department. That's interesting because really, uh, the Ohio Board of Education, that is the governing body. So you need that superintendent to oversee both. Correct. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. Interesting. If people want to volunteer on your campaign or donate, can you tell us how they can do this? I run a very low-cost campaign. It's basically grassroots. I do a lot of individual speaking, and I'm out in the communities. And actually, Marianne, I'm astounded by the amount of money that camp that are spent on campaigns. Um, in my particular case. Uh, it could be so useful and beneficial if spent in a classroom. I have a very low-budget campaign. If anybody would like to contribute, they could send it to my address, which is listed on my website, Jenny Schaefer Kilgore, Ph.D., for 
education, but the address is 200 East Sharon Road, 45246. And anyone who would like to go door-to-door and campaign, I know that they can do that. Actively pick up materials and signs and sign up for groups at the Warren County GOP and um, locally at the GOP different community groups here in Hamilton County. Yeah. Hamilton County Republican Party does have Jenny's signs along with the Warren County Republican Party. So if you have any questions, go there or contact uh, Jenny directly. Jenny, and we will post your information on the podcast in hopes that people will come and go door to door or donate money to your campaign. I'm very grateful to any um, input. Word of mouth is basically how I campaign. Again, as I said, grassroots parents are very interested in what's going on in the school districts, and they've become activists for their students. And I am totally behind that. I support that 100%. Well, thank you, Jenny. Dr. Jenny Kilgore, many citizens have very little knowledge or understanding on how the State Board of Education and local school boards interact with one another. Thank you for donating not just your time, but the knowledge of the Ohio public school systems, your commitment and work have truly made Ohio education systems a better place for children. Now, voting takes place November 8th. You have my vote, and thank you again. Well, thank you very much, Marianne, for having me, and I appreciate um, all that you do. High Heels and Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. Subscribe to High Heels and Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.